Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades Podcast, episode 269. Nice. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And on this week's show, let's rock, baby. Let's rock. I've got two members of Major Gwen, the guy who plays rhythm guitar and does the vocals, Barrett Ward, and their master of the drums, Ben Brick. I hit it off immediately with these guys. I mean, what a cool group. What a great sound. They seem like they could fit in any era of rock music and not be out of place. That's something in the midst of the pandemic that you got to throw on and throw on loud, especially if you're in the car. Like, it's great highway music. And the thing I love most about these guys, outside of the face-melting rock, of course, is that they're just good dudes. They're smart dudes. They got good perspective. They got a great head on their shoulders. They've kind of done the calculus of what it would take to be a successful full-time touring band. And granted, this is all things being equal, not in the middle of this stupid pandemic. And they're like, you know what? We're going to keep making music. We're going to keep doing our thing. And we're still going to live our lives. We're going to enjoy our lives. Barrett has a PhD in English literature. Ben has a master's degree in teaching. And you'll pick up on that throughout the course of this conversation. They have a great vocabulary for music, great enthusiasm for it. I do too. And so we're able to just bounce back and forth. I get some great insights from them. We share some stories. We share some love of obscure out of the way places, like places where you can buy music instruments. I share my love of like old shitty video stores and old toy stores and like weird collectible shops, basically places where sort of the weirdo subculture exists and people who love something so much, they have to open a store and barely make money on it. That's my favorite type of place. We also talk about rock's diminished role in the world. Why isn't rock as big as it once was? There are a ton of reasons for that, and Barrett has a great theory on it. Ben does too. So, I mean, what can I tell you? I love this conversation. I love this band. I wish we were going to shows. I wish this stupid pandemic weren't happening. There's a lot that I wish. I wish winter weren't right around the corner. That is my least favorite season. And yet, as I record this, there's snow on the ground. Wee-haw. Terrific. I don't want to make this a downer. Let's make this an upper. Because we're talking rock and roll here. That is one of the things that brings me joy. I hope it brings you joy, too. Be sure to check them out. All the major links, no pun intended, are on MajorGlenn.com. That's linked to the companion blog piece at johnofalltrades.us. That's J-O-N of alltrades.us. And also in the show notes. So if you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your pods, you can find links to Major Glenn there. Additionally, if you're on any of those platforms, please give us a rating. Please give us a review. That takes just a couple of seconds. Say a few nice words about John of All Trades and hit that subscribe button. Brand new episodes come to you each Wednesday, and episode previews go up on Mondays. That's on Facebook only. So check me out on Facebook. J-O-A-T pod is the handle. Now then, let's get to episode 269. Nice. I've got Barrett Ward and Ben Brick, two of the members of Major Glenn, an awesome face-melting rock band out of Glendale, Colorado, now currently out of both Denver and New Jersey. We talk music, we talk shows, we talk passion, we talk practicality, and we talk about it right now. You 
know, COVID hit. Um, I, I had just finished up my PhD um, with the University of Texas at Austin. And um, what's your PhD in? English literature. Oh English wow. Literature. Okay, so you're <laughs> you're like. Um, Man, we're we're like in the offspring and like uh, yeah, yeah. bad religion territory. You got it. Yeah, both <laughs> of those guys have PhDs. PhD in biology, the lead singer of the offspring, right? Yeah. Uh, so me, him, and Brian May will start a, a super group. <laughs> That'll be, dude. That's that's a cool group. I love all those bands. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, I know, and uh, you know, we got some smart guys in the band. Ben's got his master's in education. He's a good dude. He's really smart too. Um, Dude, no, that, I, that, that fits, man. I got my master's in speech communication go. from CSU. So yeah, that's, Beautiful. it's, it's funny when like, you know, you think, you think rock band and I've heard your guys sound and it's kind of got this like really agreeable, fun dirtbag aesthetic. But then like behind it is just like these super like literate, intelligent dudes. I always love that. That's, that's always like such a fun right cross when people learn about you. Absolutely. Bad religion. Who's the lead singer? Uh, Greg, uh, Greg. I think or no. I was watching yeah, I was watching their performances on like um what was that alternative MTV show called 120 minutes. 120 minutes, yeah. Yeah, back in the day, they had them on for something and I was reading up and I was like, "Wow, he has his PhD, that's so cool." But uh no, I I was uh I took some time off of work. I'd been in the military for 14 years prior to that, so I needed to kind of finish my PhD and so I was basically jobless and I got offered a great teaching gig out here nice. in New Jersey. Couldn't turn it down. My wife's from the East Coast, so and I had been Ben and I had been talking about me going for probably about a year and a half, two years. And then uh, it finally happened and you know, I talked to the band and I said, you know, we're the kind of band that's designed to survive. We have this longevity that's already built in, it seems, and we don't tussle over like what if, you know, Ben wants to have kids or what if somebody wants to get married? Like, we don't, that's not going to stop us from making music. Like, we've determined that, right, Ben? Yeah, no, that's kind of been an agreeable sort of thing. I mean, we've, we all have stuff going on. We're very busy people, but <laughs> the band is a continuing thing for sure because that is kind of a point of passion for all of us. You know, we all have our stressful, normal lives and it's a good escape for sure. And it's always good to have people there to back you up as well with these big decisions. Like, you know, you're going to New Jersey. Obviously, you have a wonderful wife supporting you and a wonderful band here. Yes, <laughs> we'll support you, too. And same with, like, my wife, you know, and everything. Like, we're, you know, it, that's been a huge thing for the almost 11 years we've been together. It's like she will support whatever I love doing. And she's known that music has been at the core of who I am for pretty much my entire life. Dude, you guys are right in my wheelhouse here in so many ways. So this is Barrett Ward and Ben Brick. You are two of the members, two of the four of Major Glenn. I got turned on to you guys again. Um, you know, had some connections, understood. You guys heard my interview with the Maslows. Uh, you share a member with the Maslows, yes? Yes. And I love those guys too because it's funny. Like in 2020, everyone's kind of looking for something that that brings them up something that inspires them and so like the first time i heard you guys stuff i go yeah i'm so down to talk to them because that sounds in my wheelhouse but uh i say you guys are right in my wheelhouse because like advanced degrees love of rock music supportive wife ben did you say you've been with your wife for 11 years yeah we've been married for five and a half but we've been together for about 11 years yeah okay because i just had my 11 year wedding anniversary like this previous weekend congratulations uh, thank you uh, we've been together for 16 now, which makes me just feel old, old like older than dirt. <laughs> um, 
but it's like with this podcast and it's one of those things that it takes a lot of time. It's something that I have to make a priority. And the fact that she's willing to make space for me is just huge because without that, you can't do it. And I, I know it would be unsatisfying if you know, you're not expressing yourself create, uh, creatively. And so the fact that you guys have that kind of support, how long have you all been a band together? I mean, how are you going to weather this with you living two time zones away now, Barrett? Um, so we technically, Ben and I started out, um, we be, we formed because I was in Korea. If This is a very strange uh, thing. I was a sense of Korea in the Army. And by the way, I wanted to say, just because my dad's a veteran, so oh, awesome. thank you for your service. Oh, awesome. We'll send the same to your dad. Um, the Army, basically, you know, for all the... <laughs> For all of its charms, uh, it's, it's responsible for uh, Major Glenn kind of happening. And what happened was I was sent there after I was teaching at West Point. I got sent out to um, I got sent out to Korea. And there I kind of started – I've always kind of played folk music. I love folk as well. I performed in Manhattan quite a bit by myself just doing the folk scene. Then I met a group of people out there, one of whom was um, this young lady named Dominique, excellent singer. turns out – first cousin to Ben, she came and visited um, me and my wife in Denver. And she goes, oh, my cousin lives here. And we're like, where does he live? Well, it turned out he lived one block away. Nice. And yeah, so, she texted me. She's like, hey, I want to see you. I'm in town uh, staying at my friend Barrett's place. I'm like, cool, where does Barrett live? He gave me his address. I'm like, I'm literally looking at his apartment, <laughs> looking at it right now from my balcony. Yeah, it was. And, so, and this is Glendale, know, right? Yeah. Glendale. Yeah. Okay. Uh, his so, wife is from that area. No, no kidding. So funny thing about Glendale is I used to have a client that the, the basic client was governed by a board of directors. One of the board of directors is the mayor of Glendale. Oh yeah. And he said, he's like, and I mentioned that my wife used to live there. He goes, I feel like we should have almost like an alumni event of everyone who's ever lived in Glendale and just like have a party and it would be huge. That'd be it awesome. Be, yeah. So, be down for that for sure. Yeah, it's no, man. I, I got uh, I got fond feelings for Glendale um, in, in a lot of ways. And as I was telling you, Barrett, I was just at Bull and Bush like this weekend. And that place is like old Denver. And so the vibe there always makes me happy. Oh, that that, that is one of the dankest places. Yeah. Right, in Denver. And it, Love it. it once you it. get past midnight at the Bull and Bush... Like it gets unusual like, things start happening. It starts. <laughs> it turns into a real time part. Is that when my heart went out? Was that after Your midnight? Heart went out there. Um, I went to the hospital. I saw some creepy people <laughs> there. Yeah, we had to get Ben medically evacuated from Bullenbush. Most of our like most of our first album planning took place at the Bullenbush. That has yeah. a central location in the, our in, in our, our name, Major Glenn. Totally. Glenn, yeah. Right? No, it's it's a total mm-hmm. tribute. Like when I read your bio, I go, "Oh, they got to be named after Glendale." And you, you get those like <laughs> those big like cast iron like crocks yeah. of green chili there. Oh yeah, and like the chilled salad plates. You go, "What year is it?" When I walk into this place, <laughs> so that place has been open apparently since like 1973, and nothing was there. It's been there, so no man. My parent, out. my parents moved here in like 71. Yeah, and they said Glendale was the happening place back then, and so everyone would go hang out at the Bull and Bush, like. Yeah, shout out to Bullenbush, man. I mean, uh, this is a great advert for them. So. <laughs> totally. <laughs> man. Uh, what was the question I asked you? Oh, right. So how are you guys going to survive being two time zones away? The magic of the internet. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, before Barrett even moved out, you know, we 
we were thick into the pandemic and everything, so we hadn't seen each other for a long time. And really, I mean, honestly, we kind of virtually hang out more than we did in person, I think, back before everything kind of hit the fan. Isn't that so, weird? So, yeah, it's, it's a bit bizarre. But we have managed to keep that line of communication alive and still shooting different musical ideas back and forth. Me and uh, Dolan, our bass player, and... And Colton, our lead guitar player, is also in the Maslows, who you have met, I believe. Oh, yeah. And he and I are, the three of them have gotten together at my house in, in just twice in like the last six months and been able to practice and sharpen up our skills and make sure that we have new ideas. And we send all these ideas to Barrett and we talk openly about different ideas to solidify different songs and set up a plan and really... Yeah, I mean, like I said just before, we're really maintaining that line of communication just as well as we were when Barrett was in town. It's just the logistical issues, you know, of getting everybody into a room. Yeah. There's also, like, for me, the band that I'm thinking of right now, when I talk about trust in a band, I don't know if you're familiar with the Tragically Hip from Canada. Oh, yeah, sure. So the Tragically Hip, like, I've read a lot, you know, Gord, their lead singer, he passed away a couple years ago, but I was reading about their dynamic and... Gordon, who's the chief songwriter, lyricist, and that's kind of the role I have, he made it very clear for me. He told the band, he said, look, this is split 25% the whole way. Like, just because I'm writing lyrics means, it means very little, and I kind of feel that way about music. If I didn't have the best drummer in Denver, which you're talking to right now, <laughs> uh, and, and I think Fight Me, like, you could put him up against pretty much anybody, um, and I think he might come out on top. But... um the guys, though, the guys, we have this kind of immense trust in each other. And, and this also uncanny ability to kind of do one or two takes and get something right. Like, nice. we don't, we don't, we really don't waste time adding in special effects. We're, and in that regard, you know, I kind of call ourselves a rock punk band instead of a punk rock band. We like punk, um, but rock is always kind of the primary um, in, influence. But we do have a punk aesthetic when we get in there and we just kind of go and say, all right, do we, do we like to take? Yeah, that's it. Let it, let it ride. Totally. You know? So when we come up here to Brooklyn here in a couple months, um, you know, we plan it out and it'll be, it'll be tight, but we're going to let it, we want it to be rough around the edges. We want it to sound rough hewn, like you said, the kind of dirtbag mentality to a degree. And uh, yeah, that, I think that, and then the other thing that Ben and I, cause Ben and I, we kind of designed the, the arc, right. The, where we want the band to go. And we say, we Ben and I have had this conversation probably a dozen times to say, we want max five to eight gigs a year, primo gigs. So it's got to be, because we, we think we've earned, we, we grounded out our first year, we did 18 shows or 22 shows. And that's quite a bit of shows, right? And we played some real, you know, real poop holes and <laughs> Places you, you can swear on here, it's quite all yeah, right. Okay, real shitholes <laughs> in these kind of test pools, and they're like, "Here's your green room." You're like, "There's urine on the floor. Like it smells like trash juice in here, right?" <laughs> We've done that, and then all of a sudden we started kind of getting into bigger venues and getting treated, you know, well. And then the other thing is we started having relationship with venues, and so you know, we love Herman's Hideaway, we love the Marquee Theater. They treated us like, you know, they really treated us like we were valued and that was so special streets, Denver mm -hmm. again. Um, and I think that's all anchors away promotions. So great. Um, and we're just grateful for those opportunities. So yeah, if though, if we get those gigs on a Friday or Saturday night, I'm flying out there first thing smoking, right? Like, that's totally. The, and then out here, 
I'm building, and I think I'm, I'm fairly adept at it. I'm building the kind of network for us to go play a show in Manhattan or Philly at the drop of a hat. And if we're doing those things, then I think we're going to survive longer than actually most bands who will do 25 gigs because um, they're driving around. There's so many bands. We actually, we've had this discussion. There's, so, there's like some big names. I won't say the names, but they're out there. They're grinding in like Casper, Wyoming on a Thursday right. night. And they're far bet like they are far more well known. They got to be making thirty dollars for their effort. And, good and God, just hemorrhaging money. You know what I mean? And like really good bands, really you know? good bands. And like, we'd rather keep our jobs <laughs> and kind of select, keep our really nice paying jobs and select a kind of uh, you know a coterie, if you will, of really nice uh, gigs and play those, and then go home and be with our wives and not, you know. Well, I, I got to ask you a pointed question then. Isn't that kind of what everyone wants? You know, like the the degree to which you can achieve that, you know, some some of the, the plush gigs, you know, the, the Friday nights at, at Herman's or Friday at the Marquee, you know, some of that comes as a byproduct of grinding through some of those shitholes too. You're so, right. You're I mean, right. is how much of this is actually actually realistic and practical um, you know, you said you've, you've had, uh, experience here and you've, you've grinded it out before, but what you're describing is, is kind of, uh, kind of the situation everyone wants. So, um, how, how much of that is, is dreaming? How much of that is realistic? I think it's a good 50, 50, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's really hard to get good gigs around Denver, you know, especially if you're not part of a label, you know, you don't have a good promoter, you don't have all these sort of bells and whistles. It can be very difficult to get. Uh, decent gigs and and you know yeah we we've grinded through a lot of pretty rough venues and i'm not saying i didn't enjoy those i mean it's it, it's what you got to do there's and a certain it, charm to it too like exactly yeah yeah like have you guys ever seen yeah. a movie called green room i'm not familiar with it okay you should check it out it's um it's this like super hardcore punk band and they're playing gigs. They're far from home. They're siphoning gas. Like, you know, it's it's total, like, kind of bottom of the barrel. And they end up, like, hearing about a gig that's going to pay them a ton of money. But it's at this, like, neo-Nazi place. And so they they decide... <laughs> my favorite. I have line, heard about this premise. Oh, yeah, yeah. Keep going. I haven't seen it, though. So Patrick Stewart plays the head Nazi. <laughs> so, like, this movie just rules so hard in so many ways. <laughs> and one of the characters goes, hey, I've got a dumb idea. So they open their set in this like skinhead club with Nazi punks fuck off by the Dead Kennedys. Yeah, Dead Kennedys. I love that song. It's a great song and kind of pertinent uh in 2020 once again. Absolutely. Um I mentioned that because like it I they get it right. I mean, I've seen shows in like church basements or like it'll be like no, come to the venue. I'm like this is someone's house, bro. Like this isn't a venue. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so like I've been there and that movie gets it exactly right. So what you're describing, yeah, like there's, there's a certain nostalgia for it, but eventually you're going to kind of outgrow that feeling, right? Yes. Yeah. No, and one of the things I'm, I'm going to give away the, the secret and any band that's listening out here, if you want to know like how major Glenn lands Friday and Saturday nights, there's two things that we do. We always bring a healthy audience, which, which sometimes well, when I say healthy, I mean like 20 to 25 actual ticket buyers, not like a <laughs> right. to come to give you. Yeah, it's not like a 400 person thing. Yeah, yeah, but bring 25 people who paid full price. They're heavy drinkers. Right? <laughs> yeah. If, if you're going to a show on a weeknight or a, like it, going to a show period, you're probably going to go drink. But here's the trick, John. Um, how many 
and this is the real secret about why we get asked to come back. Because one, we have good music. We have a good, decent fan following. But three, we've never taken a payout. We oh, really? Give it to staff. Absolutely. Because like I told you, like we're fortunate to have jobs. And if you can be in that position where you, if I, I could either accept $75 from the house or I could disperse that in tips to the great people who've made the show happen. I'm, and again, it's not like we're super fancy. It's just like a tip I would give if you're able to do that. Yeah. If you're able to do if it. If you're able I to mean... do it. Yeah. It's been very helpful for us. And, I, and again, it's not to say like we're these super generous guys, because if it were like a thousand bucks, I'd probably keep some of it, right? Like, of course. Um, but what what is fifty bucks? What's seventy five bucks? You know, if you can, you know, don't need it really. Well, and it, really, it, that, that shakes out to like twenty five bucks a piece, right? Well, and I mean, there's something to be said for like it's a means to an end. Right, because you, you're doing this in order to kind of build something, and and if you can show some goodwill and some generosity and be magnanimous about it, then people are like, no, these are good dudes. We should have them back. And, oh, it's been amazing. Yeah, and they they've they brought us back. Um, so many good people have just brought us back for Friday and Saturday nights, and and uh, it's inextricably linked to just just you take care of us. You bring us in on Friday, Saturday night. Give us that shot, and we'll give you what we can. And they've been just so great. I've been. Just blown away by that. And that's really what's helped us build kind of a, a little name there in Denver. Yeah. And not to mention, too, it's so easy to do when the staff is so amazing. I mean, I, I can only name maybe like one or two places where like the staff wasn't so great and I'm not terribly appreciative, but like pretty much every gig, you know, that we've done, uh, the staff has been absolutely wonderful. I love the staff at Herman's. The folks at Streets are so great. Um, oh my gosh! So I would just hang with them anyway, just <laughs> in general, and buy them drinks. Um, our first street yeah. show, they let us headline, which I thought was, you know, like okay, like we thought we were just going to be one of the things. They brought us down there, John. Platters of sandwiches, hot <laughs> chocolate chip cookies, and wow. bottles of water, and we were like, oh my god! <laughs> what? Well, they go, they go wine and dine me streets. No, they're like nice. Yeah, they're like you're the talent. <laughs> we were like, we we're like nobody's ever done this for us before. And, that was uh, one of our best shows, man. That we, was unbelievable. Yeah, we, we have so much fun when we're there. Our yeah. last show was Streets in February 14th, Valentine's Day, and then COVID hit. Yeah. So we, you know, and, and Streets has a real punk, uh, they've got a real punk legitimacy there, right? Like, that's a that's a punk venue. And I love their sign, too. No Proud Boys. Yeah. None of, none of that garbage, you know, coming in there. And, and so we didn't play there until they had that sign up, because we, we had heard that it had had, like, a thing, you know, whether that was a reputation or not we just didn't feel comfortable totally you're, you're talking the streets is uh that's on colfax right oh yeah, yeah. okay and yeah great. i know i've been in there and like you drive by like in the middle of the day and you, it still smells like cigarettes coming out of there um <laughs> even if no one's there and yeah. like i'll drive by and i go oh yeah i'm home now like this is <laughs> <laughs> it is it is the quintessential just, I mean, just vibe of Colfax. If, if, if you yeah. can have Colfax in a venue, it's that one. You know, there are some dingier ones on Colfax. I mm-hmm. mean, I'm not going to drop any names, but I feel like Streets just embodies the essence of Colfax in all of its glory. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'd, charm. Yeah. I'd agree. I mean, I, I, cut, I cut my teeth going to shows at the Bluebird and the Ogden, you know, because, so like this was 20 years ago at this point, but that's where all the shows were. And yeah. then all these other venues started popping up, and I'm like, okay, thank God. Like, I love the Bluebird and the Ogden. I love the Gothic. Mm-hmm. But, like, I felt like I was missing a certain level of band. And, like, a, a lot of bands on the way up, like, you want to catch them, like, on the way up, yeah. which is really fun. 
And that's harder to yeah. do at the bigger venues. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Places like Bluebird and Ogden, which now are, they're getting those top tier touring acts. You know, it's, it's, you can't really see up and comers there anymore at all. Um, no, I saw, um, I saw Yellow Card there. If you guys yeah. remember Yellow Card. Oh yeah, definitely. They were headlining a show. It was like them and this band Homegrown. And Homegrown was actually headlining, but, uh, that show was at like two o'clock in the afternoon. And, and, and they had this like local band yeah. because they had another show coming in at like six or seven or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it like, it was so cool when you could do that. And so I'm glad that there are places kind of filling that void now. And Streets is certainly doing a great job. Yeah, for sure. So a question for you guys. You mentioned like donating, you know, you'll get paid like 75 bucks a gig for a gig or whatever. It's interesting because in 2020, Rock's place in the music world is not as prominent as it used to be. And so, like, if, if you're in a rock band in 2020, you know, you're, you're playing to kind of a smaller subset of the audience than you were if you were starting a rock band, say, in, I don't know, 1965 or whatever, or even, yeah. like, the 70s or the 80s or even the 90s. What do you guys make of, like, where music is going now, and where do you see yourselves in it? Last year, the Grammy for Best Rock Album, and, that, and again, Grammys are this highly... That, yeah, that's that's its own thing. But it, but I'll, I'll I'll throw this out there because it is it is a canary in the coal mine, right? It's um it's Greta Van Fleet, right? Now we've listened to Greta Van Fleet, I assume. Yeah. Right? Who do they sound like? Led Zeppelin, like it's right. Shot for shot, Led Zeppelin, Greta Van Fleet, and at first I was really against that, like like this kind of mimicking almost like ACDC and Crocus. They kind of sound the same, right? <laughs> like you remember Crocus? Like I haven't so, thought of Crocus in I don't know how long. That's really good. <laughs> Crocus actually being Crocus actually pulls like a huge fan base in like the Scandinavian countries. It's crazy. They like sell out venues, so I mean I'm not making fun of Crocus, but Well uh, to your point, I remember like in the early two thousands when the darkness came out. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, I've heard all this shit before. Like, like I know what Thin Lizzy sounds like, guys. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do I need to hear a new Thin Lizzy? And so, and it turned out I did. I grew to quite enjoy them, but not they, not after I, some kicking and screaming. And, and you know, the band we we him and Hall over Greta Van Fleet and their success because we're just like, what is this? Like, this is such a rehashing of what's already happened. But maybe. Maybe that's what needs to happen now again is some type of rehashing. And we don't want to rehash, even though we obviously, um, if you listen to like our music and right now there's only four of our things on Spotify because we pulled off our first kind of EP. We're remastering some of it to re-release, but, um, you know, we love the Pixies. Oh yeah. We love ACDC. We love the uh, Smashing Pumpkins. We love all that 90s stuff, right? The early 90s stuff. I love, um, and so getting that stuff back into, kind of the mainstream is the goal. My wife and I drew, drove from Connecticut, her home, her parents' home back to New Jersey. And we listened, I said, put on, an, you know, put on some, she goes, how about a 90s play mix on Spotify? We're like, sure. And it was playing like Toad the Wet Sprocket, Gin Blossoms. And like, these are not things you hear on the radio anymore, right? Like, No, not unless you have satellite. Yeah, if you're listening to Satellite XM, you might get that. But like a young person is not going to hear that. No, that's a good point. Like they're not going to hear Sponge. You know, they're like, not gonna hear Sponge, which is great. Oh, Sponge, great song. I mean, that they're what was their main song? Uh, it's so good. Uh, there's Molly, and then there's Plowed. Plowed, Plowed, Mount, yeah, 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 like yeah, that really like fun, like jangly rock, just like. Oh yeah, yeah. Plowed is so good. Say a prayer for me, like. Um, yeah. Yeah, love that, that song. Was, that was a punk track too, right? If you really think about it, and uh, yeah, that song is badass. So good. 
they're not hearing that. They're certainly not hearing Black Flag. They're certainly not hearing, you know, they're not going to get to the Rollins band ever. I mean, I don't know how you're going to get there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the through line there is a little tougher because like I was into grunge when I was like getting into music. Like once I kind of flipped from like teeny bopper shit, my, the first rock record I was ever into was Get a Grip by Aerosmith. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then like, oh, that's so good. And then Living on the Edge is an underrated track and, it's heavy as fuck. Like people living on the edge is heavy. Like that album wears me out in 2020 because it's all power ballads. Yes. Yes. And so like, I'm, I'm not really a power ballad or slow jam kind of guy, but from there it like, then grunge was happening and I was into, you know, Pearl jam and Bush and all that stuff. And Nirvana Pearl jam is my favorite band of all time. <laughs> nice. And then like that, that, and then I was into metal for a little bit. And then it was like ska and punk, which was like my aesthetic. Like that's, I and I wanted it really fast and I wanted it like served to me very very loud. Yeah. And so but like there's there's kind of a through line there that makes more sense whereas now what you're describing how do you get to punk from like you know if you're a teenager listening to I don't know what the fuck teenagers listen to like Ed Sheeran or Post Malone or something <laughs> you know like what <laughs> Where where does the evolution happen? And I think it happens in a different direction now, which ultimately I think might be okay, but who knows? I have two theories, and Ben, I'm going to drop you in this here in a second. Um, well, the, it's actually one theory. It, so guitars and drum kits are not democratizing, which is to say that auto-tune is because uh. you can download it and you can just go with it. And, and so is rapping. There, you don't have to learn how to sing. You don't have to. Post Malone shows us that. But he can play. He's actually pretty adept at the guitar, and we actually have a soft spot for Post Malone in the current milieu of artists. Like that dude, he's got some. He's onto something. I, he, guy, actually, he, you know? he certainly is. Yeah. He did a. Did you see his Nirvana? Yeah. Thing? Oh, I thought it was great. I and, did too. Uh, what the thing is, I'm annoyed by how good it was. <laughs> you know, because like you yeah. you tune in for it and you go, okay, this is gonna eat butt here. Um, but if you watch it, you go, he is shockingly great at this. Absolutely. But back to the point is, um, I have, you know, I've got 12 guitars. My wife is a saint. She lets me keep them, but I've accumulated them over 30 years of playing. Ben has four kits downstairs in his house, like down from five recently. Down from five. (laughs) Well done, sir. Well done. Yeah. (laughs) Most people, most people like don't have either the support from family, the money to do that. And so, like, it used to be, you know, I mean, if you look at even Dave Grohl, he, like, he had immense support, but he had to put pillows on his kicks, toms, and uh, snares and play through those because it was simply too loud. Yeah. Ben's dad is a, is a, a musician, so, Ben, you can speak to, like, how, how easy is it to create a drummer like yourself or Beatmaster or anybody in Denver? You know, I mean, it just kind of requires... I don't know, love for it and just persistence and practicing, I guess. I mean, I've been drumming for actively for 20 years now. And, you know, I, I had, I grew up with that support. My dad's been an active musician since he was 10 years old. So I grew up with rock bands practicing in the basement. I, I have tinnitus, you know, just from going to all of his gigs <laughs> growing up and being a drummer since the age of 10. Like, and like, I, I would not give my, give that back at all, you know, if I didn't have those sort of experiences because it had that support system. I could always, you know, go into the basement, play on the drums, and then my dad will just come down and be like, want to jam? I'm like, yeah. I mean, I, I wow. had that I had that, that benefit and, you know, that privilege, honestly. Um, 
and you know, we, you know, we were not a rich household at all. My mom was a hairdresser. You know, my dad worked in a tire warehouse. Um, like, but he, the, the passion for music has always been there. My dad's record collection is over 4,000. So I had wow. that at my disposal. Yeah. You know, he's, his guitar collection is insane. Um, but there's only like a couple top, top tier things of equipment. And only in, until this year did I finally get like a top tier drum kit. Hmm. Like, you, you can't just like, I mean, I, I mean, you can, if you want to just like put everything in all, all of your resources into it, go for it. But most people can't do that at all. Uh, it really requires a lot of persistence and just dedication and we, love for what you're doing. And, I think I get back to major gloom. We're 30. Now we have established careers and we love music. And so like, we're able to finance it now, which is yeah. just, we're so lucky. We're so fortunate. And I want young kids to be able to do that. But I just, the, you, that's why like the big box guitar stores, remember Mars music was huge. Mars was awesome. Mars was amazing. It's gone. Guitar mm. Center is is you know slowly but surely shrinking because uh, they're getting killed by Sweetwater, and even but then you have the little guy who's even who's been murdered for so long. The small luthier shops that I used to just love going into those just don't exist anymore. Oh, dude, all my friends used to go to uh, Rockley Music on uh, West Colfax. I uh, live like four blocks from where that used to be. Oh yeah. I mean that place, like you, you could run into. I never played music. I, I just, I don't have the talent for it. I don't have the ear for it. I, like I love music, and I, I love all different styles of music. I just, I never, I just, I didn't have the touch for it. Um, but you could find my friends there. They were doing their thing. Well, like Ben, what's it like going in? So you, you're familiar with Rups, John? Rups, jump drums. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is like, what's that like being a drummer going in there? It's like a throwback to another age. No, Rups is the mecca for all drummers in, I would say, Colorado, not just like Denver. I mean, it's one of the top tier drum shops in the entire country. And it's so amazing because it's like this old house. Like you pull up, you're like, oh, this is like an old house. And, uh, you know, it's it's cramped in there. But, man, you turn the corner and then, you know, you're you're looking at six grand sonar SQ2 kits, like the best of the best drum kits that you can buy a staff that is extremely knowledgeable and friendly. And yeah, I, I miss having a lot of those, you know, I, I grew up in Omaha and uh, you know, there was JD's drum center, which was freaking awesome. There was Russo's guitars, you know, all these local places. And now those don't exist anymore. It's the guitar yeah. center out on West center road. And Omaha is the only thing they got out there here in Denver. You know, at least we have Rupp still going for us. Music go around. Music go around. There's a couple of those, but a quick plug because you mentioned Rockley um, on West Colfax now near Kipling and Colfax. Uh, there's Spaceman Guitars. So okay. if you're a guitar player, just a quick shout out to Chris, the owner there, he does a great job. He just worked on one of my acoustics. He used to work at Rockley for years. Nice. Uh, so quick shout out to Spaceman Guitars. Also sell some vinyls there. But God, yeah, I love those old mom and pop places. They're so John. Great. John, what's your vinyl collection look like? You got any? <clears throat> yeah, I got a bunch. It's it it fits kind of in one cabinet because I I got into vinyl right around the same time. Uh, no, I, this was before, but um, when I had kids, so like I don't yeah. I don't have a ton of space for it. But no, like I got I got good stuff in there. I have some like weird stuff like um, the album Half Nelson. So it's like Willie Nelson doing duets with all these different people. Awesome. Um, yeah, one with like uh, Julio Iglesias. No, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a. I love oh, that version. I love it for, yeah. <laughs> Dude, like, that's such a cool version. 
But what you're describing reminds me of like I grew up loving going to like obscure shitty video stores. Oh yeah. And like here's the thing, like the people who work in like small independent music shops like that or video stores or record stores or there's this store in Portland called Billy Galaxy Toys. It's right by uh, Powell's Books. And I walk in there and like I'm not really a collector. Like I got I have a bunch of action figures cuz like I'm a wrestling nerd. Yeah. But I go in there and I found like in the box these old Wizard of Oz action figures. And I'm like, "Okay, I have to have these." <laughs> and the thing I love about shops like that is the people who work there are so passionate about what they do that they're going to turn you on to stuff that you wouldn't necessarily know. Like whether that's a piece of equipment or whether that's a movie or like you know, a genre of music you've never heard before. And I feel like that's missing because everything is algorithm anymore. Mm. And I kind of miss that analog, like kind of weirdo off kilter expert. I feel like if you went into a place like that and found yourself, it was a a different vibe than finding that same kind of thing online, which is much easier to do now. Oh, I was reading like so many of Iron Maiden's. uh, I've been listening to Iron Maiden lately for some inspiration and like, good man. uh, yeah, and, and uh, Eddie Wright, the you know the kind of skeletal thing. Like so many young people picked up an album from Iron Maiden because of the way it looked, and we we miss that now because it's not only that. Like when you walk through a um, like you said, Wizard of Oz, that may or may not have been in your wheelhouse. I don't know if you love the film, but I like, do. But and eye, eye catches something though, and you say, I kind of want to have that. I remember um, Evil Empire at Best Buy when I was like, oh dude, twelve or thirteen. Rage Against the Machine, walking around and had this guy and like Superman and I like comic book heroes. I was like, I don't want this album, mom. (laughs) Just like it says explicit lyrics, right? Like you can't can't have that. And then I eventually found a copy of Evil Empire. And I was like, oh, Rodeo, I'm all about that. You know, like. um, Dude, I started spiking my hair up because I saw Dickie Barrett, um, the lead singer of the Boss Tones. And I'm like, that's that's what I want to be. Like that's. That was my first album. No, really? Really? Yeah. Yeah, that it's this is a weird this is gonna be a weird one. You know, the Mighty Mighty Boston's and Jewel, my two first <laughs> albums. Very odd pairing, but Which, there they are. Okay, so my first two, this is a good one. <laughs> Bobby Brown, uh Bobby. That was the one with humping around on it. And then uh Tom Cochran. That, Life is a highway. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> had so that whole two. whole album. We had, I had these two single cassettes back in the day that had like just the paper slip that you'd pull off the, the uh-huh. single of those. Yeah. It was Phil Collins, How I Wish It Could Rain Down, <laughs> and then Erasure, uh, and they were doing Take a Chance, the ABBA remake. Oh, geez. Yeah. And these were given to me and That's I used to like this. Wow. Yeah. It's very bizarre. They were given to me. I didn't purchase them. My first CD I ever bought though was the, um, Do the Bartman from The Simpsons. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you you and my friend Keith could probably share in that one, because yeah, he he had that whole Simpsons album, it, like the Simpsons sing the blues, right? Yeah, that's it. Simpsons sing the blues. Yeah, yeah no, I remember that one. Um, I have a whole uh, article on my blog, like on the John of All Trades blog. You guys should check it out. One is the top five cassette singles from 1991 to 1993 I owned, and the other one That'd is an interesting one. Top five lines my wife sings from Sirius XM's Lithium Channel. Okay. <laughs> and because she is so good, dude. She will do Lane Staley from Alice in Chains nice. as perfectly as she does uh, Alanis Morissette. 
That's amazing. I want to hear the lane. I'm more interested in the lane. I love Alanis too, though, but, uh, yeah. What does she sing like? Man in the Box? Yes. Like, that's okay. the one. <laughs> um, I'm sure she could do like Heaven Beside You or whatever, but. I love that song too. Um, but no, it's Man, Man in the, the Box. Box. Man in the Box is so funny because no radio station has ever figured out and they let it play because buried in my shit, mm-hmm. right? Because he sings it like that. It's never been like. <laughs> It's always played. I remember being like, like 11 or 12 and going, he just said shit. Like, <laughs> well, never on, been edited. on MTV, though, the video was buried in my pit. Oh, in my pit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and he says it all weird, just like the same way he says shit, which is funny. So you mentioned a bunch of bands that you, you, you love and you're kind of influenced by, you know, 90s rock, that kind of thing. There's a contemporary band. The first time I heard you guys, and it re- you reminded me of them. Have you ever heard of a band called The Shelters? No. Um, you should check them out because they, they got a sound that, and they're a little bit different than you guys, but their sound feels like it could fit in 1967 nice. or 2020. Like, it doesn't feel anachronistic here. You know, they're not like wearing suits on Ed Sullivan or some bullshit. Yeah, yeah. But like, they're, they're still like rocking like old stones or like the kinks or, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, you mentioned bands later in the canon than that, but I, I think you can you can trace what you guys sound like back to that type of thing too. Is that intentional, or is that just sort of a byproduct of the the, the vibe that you gravitate toward? Well, I, I'm going to toss you this softball, Ben. Ben, if you, I mean, Ben's drums are, are modeled after a couple people. Who are they? <laughs> I mean, it's, I could name like 30 drummers I'm influenced by, but the major big, oh, uh, for Major Glenn, I mean, it's a good mix of, I mean, you got to go back, obviously, to the king of all of them, like John Bonham, you know, with oh, Led sure. Zeppelin. But I, I was also a huge Who fan, so Keith Moon was a big influence for me. But I would say those two mixed mm. with a little Brad Wilk from Rage Against the Machine and just some solid just finesse pocket stuff from like Jason McGurr of death cab. So a little bit of like across the spectrum, but I think, you know, when it comes to influences and and just our sound, it's, I don't know. I I don't know if we intentionally kind of hit on certain, you know, themes of some of our influences. I mean, it's really hard to really answer that question. Yes or no, if that's what we do. Because I feel like when a band has so many different influences, like we do, it just kind of naturally happens. Like those different cues that you pick up, those different nuances in the songs that you that you add to everything, it it all comes from somewhere. I mean, I could break down every one of our songs in my drum parts, and I could be like, yes, I got that part from from I don't know Summer Skin or something by Death Cab. <laughs> Meanwhile, I got. Yeah. Meanwhile, I got this other this other fill from Brad Wilk, you know, from Evil Empire. And like I could break down in one song, I could name probably five different influences. Well, dude, here's the thing about that, though. Like I've been listening to Chris makes a podcast lately and he's the lead singer of Less Than Jake. He interviews songwriters and he was talking to Laura Jane Grace from uh, Against Me. Against Me, yeah. And she's like. Okay, so there are only so many chords, right? Like the song yes. is going to be in C or in F or whatever. Like there are only so many ways to drum. Like, like, but the way that you combine these elements is what makes the sound your own. So, like when I hear you guys, I'm like, okay, yeah, I can hear like the shelters. You know, I can hear 
you know, some Stone Tumble Pilots or like whatever, oh, right? Big, big, big vibe for me, uh, STP. And so, like, I can hear it in there, and it, like, it's evocative of that, but not derivative. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, now, you don't want to be derivative. You don't want to sound too much like something that said, like, "Wow, you're this. You're a knockoff of X band, right?" You don't want to be that. And I think we've been. You know, fingers crossed, like, um, fairly innocent of that. You know, sometimes I've been called, like, somebody pulled me aside after a show and they said, like, you're like a skinnier Frank Black. And I'm like, <laughs> you're the first person to call me skinny. So, like, uh, <laughs> I appreciate that, you know, and I love Black Francis, like, uh, Frank Black, the picks is huge for me, but like Bon Scott, you know, in terms yeah. of showman. I look at front guys. I love the way that Bon Scott sings and moves. Scott Weiland. I don't do like their hair, her, you know, like he does, but, um, I love his movements and I love STP. Um, still love him, even with Jeff Good, their new guy. He's awesome. Yeah. But, uh, well, dude, yeah, no, like, can't be derivative, right? No, but like, so in uh, in the song "Here in Your Bedroom" by Goldfinger, um, he goes, "Ah, hi," and he's like, "I lifted that directly from James Hetfield because he's like, I was such a huge Metallica fan that I wanted to do like that growl in a song, and so like, I never noticed that until he said it." Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, and like, here's the other thing that I think is important to underline. It's like, you guys aren't doing a pastiche of your influences, right? I mean, it's not like Tarantino where you yeah. go, okay, you know, this is clearly like a Sergio Leone movie that, exactly. that he wants to do here. But, you know, for you guys, it's like, okay, we've heard all this stuff, but no, we're making our own sound. And some of that is going to get through, though. Like, some Absolutely. of your influences will just emerge. Well, we want it to, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you listen to Foo Fighters of Queens of Stone Age. Like, we, they absolutely have clear bottom influences in there, right? Like, and then Crooked Vult, Vultures literally has John Paul Jones in it, right? Like, it <laughs> mm-hmm. right. literally has a member of Led Zeppelin in it. And you want that. And we want that kind of music to stay alive. And back to the original point, like, where's rock in the, in the panoply of garbage that is out there right now like we're hoping and you know again like i said we have a we have a healthy amount of self-delusion we think we might what we're about to do with this next album i think is gonna you know we we know the other rock bands are different there's a lot of good ones but we think we're in a position to do something interesting here at least interesting right that says what's going on in Denver? what's what are these guys doing so totally Okay, so here's a question for you you guys have expressed that you know you kind of like where you're at and you want to do Five to eight really plum good like shows. But let's say Major Glenn is like the next big thing. You guys become the mega stars of the future, right? At what point do you sort of stop what you're doing? Like what what does it take for you guys to abandon your day jobs and abandon kind of this this lifestyle? What does that look like for you to be like, no, okay, we do Major Glenn all the time now? We've talked about this, Ben. It's yeah. a number. <laughs> it, so it's a number and and, and, and we actually talked about this with like a Grammy nominated buddy of ours. He's like, a, he, he, he tours with foreigner. He's just a really, he's a real deal musician. And like, we, we talked about it and it said, look for major Glenn to be major Glenn full time. We would need to be basically making 55 to 60 K each every year for the, for the next 10 years. <laughs> the likelihood of that happening is so slim, right? That we're in a much better position to just hold what we got. And, and then continue to create music and find plum gigs between here. Like we want to do, I think if we did five to eight, you know, four would be on the East coast during the year. We'd do three great nights in Denver and maybe one in Chicago. And guess what? That's huge success. That's huge success for a band. 
Um, we, you, you know, as... Borat's coming out again. You could have done, uh, there's a second Borat coming out here this mm-hmm. month. So you could have done the great success. That could have been great success. <laughs> no, I, um, we, um, but yeah, I, I, we just didn't want to be the, the kind of grinder. There, there's, so, but so like the grinder has this kind of, they get to say we were in the trenches and like there's certain bands I'm thinking of them right from Denver who they grind and they get to say, it's kind of like being a minor league baseball player. Hey, I played, I, I made a living from music. Well, you did, you did. You, nobody can take that away from you, but like you couldn't, you couldn't have a wife and kids and support, right? Like you comes you with a price. Yeah. It comes with a price. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're not, we're obviously not willing to sacrifice that and nor would our wife, you know, stay with us if we decided to just go tour <laughs> uh, play shows in Boise, you know, on a sure. Tuesday night, like that's just not going to happen for us. And so, yeah, we're in a, we're in a privileged position. We acknowledge that. But we also work hard as a band. We have great rock music. And, you know, I remember uh, we talked about the day that Bon Scott had died. Brian Johnson was kind of, he, he was going to his interview with ACDC. The same day he had a, a Black & Decker commercial that he was recording that he didn't cancel because he didn't, <laughs> he didn't know it was going to work out, right? He yeah. didn't know if it was going to fit. And like, so obviously they're, you know, one of the greatest of all time and they, you know, He's, he's, he's probably worth a hundred million at this point. Like, but you don't cancel your black and decker commercial because <laughs> it's music. Like you don't do that. We're not idiots. Like, and like, it's, <laughs> there's, there's just a lot at stake. I mean, obviously if, if I could, I would, you know, drumming and playing live music is my favorite thing to do in the absolute world, but got student loans. I don't know. Yeah, I've got to pay for that. I've got a mortgage. You know, it's like, oh, man. There's just a lot at stake, but I will continue, you know, to make music for as long as I physically can. However that comes to be, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. You know, if we become successful, which obviously there's a tiny, tiny chance that that's going to happen. That's great. If we don't, that's great. We still have a hell of a lot of fun. We're still not going to break up, right? There's no, there's no expiration date, right, Ben? Well, I mean, if we don't make it by January first, you're uh-huh. you're out. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you. I'm glad we have that out in the air now. So. Yeah. So. All right. Breaking news here. You, you, heard, <laughs> you heard it first. Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys seem like well-rounded dudes. Like, I mean, Barrett, you you've got a PhD in you said English literature. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, clearly, like, we all love music here, and we all have a vocabulary for it, and we can all like, I mean, we could talk about this all day. Thanks. Um, so. <laughs> But, uh, you know, you, you clearly love English literature, too. Ben, what's your master's in? Uh, it's in teaching. So okay. I taught middle school for a few years. Yeah. All right. So perfect. Like, you love what you do, clearly, to get advanced degrees in it. And, like, there, there are just there, – there's more to the world. Like, if you can have that singular focus and go, yep, I made my money from music – it comes with a price, but some people are willing to pay that price and more power exactly. to them. Yeah, and there's no judgment. It just can't be – that's not who we are right Right. And I, I think that's fine. Like, if you guys can, like, continue to melt people's faces, because, like, I heard you and I go, yeah, this is, this is tight, man. I'm into it. And anytime, like, I find that, back when shows actually happened, I would always go catch the opening band. Because, like, I never knew where my next favorite band was going to come from. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing, I showed, um, Dolly, our bassist. We, he came over one night in Denver. I was like, I gotta show you this documentary. It's called Loud, Quiet, Loud. It's about the Pixies 2004 reunion tour. Mm-hmm. They sold out everything. They're talking to, you know, Frank Black. They're talking to, um, Kim Deal. They're talking to Joey. They're talking to the whole band. These, 
individuals who had one of the largest successful college, you know, most influential influence Nirvana. It was Kurt Cobain's favorite band. Kim Deal was living at her mom's house. Like in, in black Francis was like, we got to do this tour now. I just had a kid. Like he said, <laughs> wasn't the drummer other, doing oh, like, like a magician or something? A magician. He's a magician. <laughs> and he said, he goes, the checks stopped coming because of the digital age. Like, so wow. these are the pixies and they're freaking out about money. And rightfully so. Like they, they're like, we got to keep the lights on. I have a family to feed, and yeah. like that resonated with me. And as much as I want to go and play rock in Rio, that's what I want to play like South America. Like that's my dream is to have like a huge following South America and just go and I just have a big passion for the culture and everything down there. But um, to go and play rock in Rio or play Lollapalooza in Brazil, like how unbelievable would that be? And that's what Pixies do. They do it maybe once a year, and then they go back to their homes. And I'm like. That's that's what I want. Grinding yeah. for eight to ten months out of the year, not seeing my family. That's no way that yeah. Ben and I are going to do that. I think that makes good sense. Uh, you guys seem to have a good head on your shoulders. You get an amazing sound, and we got to wrap up. Unfortunately, yeah. um, now's the time on the show when we do plugs. Where can people find you guys? Where can they find Major Glenn? What do you got coming up? What well, you you said you're working on a new album. When when can we expect that? Yeah, we're going in the studio, and I can legitimately say that we're, you know, we'll be going in the second week of December to record here in Brooklyn, New York, and I think we're putting proof of the pudding that we can survive across two time zones, right? Like we want to, we want to prove that out for ourselves. And the guys need a break from Denver, and I'm going to show them, you know, all the sites. Even with COVID, we'll wear a mask and have a good time, and we'll record some good music. So Spotify is where you can find us. Certainly iTunes, all that stuff. If you want to buy our vinyl, we have. All the links are on majorglenn.com. We have vinyl for sale, t-shirts, all that good stuff. But nice. Also, really? too, like what Barrett mentioned, too, we have a lot of our music down on Spotify because we're redoing some stuff. But some of those old old songs are still on, like, SoundCloud, too. So yeah. if you want to catch them there. But they'll all be back up soon. And yeah, soon. we're super pumped about getting our new stuff out there, too. Nice. Well, I can't wait to see what you guys are doing next. I can't wait till shows are happening again. Um, like in a real way, they're, they're kind of half coming back right now. I don't particularly have interest in that, but, um, yeah, man. And whenever you guys are playing, uh, I'll be there and I, awesome, I, I can't wait to see what you guys come up with. And you guys are really great dudes. I wish you nothing but continued success. Yeah, man. Well, really appreciate you having us on. Yeah. And if we do have a gig, let it, you know, we will get, we'll get you a beer. We'll get you a ticket. And yeah. We'll hang out. All right. Sounds good, cool. fellas. And that'll do it for episode 269, Nice, of the John of All Trades podcast with Barrett Ward and Ben Brick, two guys from Major Glenn. Be sure to check them out at majorglenn.com. You can find that link at the menu blog piece, johnofalltrades.us, J-O-N of alltrades.us, or in the show notes, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your pods. Hit that subscribe button. Brand new episodes will come to you. Those are on Wednesdays. Episode previews go up on Mondays. Facebook only. J-O-A-T pod is the handle. J-O-A-T pod is also the handle for Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. Very, very simple and fun ways to stay up on the John of All Trades podcast. The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. I not only produce this show, I have four others that I produce for people, for companies, for organizations. So if you think you've got a story to tell, if you think you have a great idea for a show, hit me up. I'll help you concept it and help you execute it. That's D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. Our sponsor is 4Degrees, number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Anything you're doing online, 4Degrees can help you do it better. Building a website 
starting a campaign, social media marketing, online advertising, whatever it is, however you're trying to reach people, 4 Degrees can help you do it better and ensure that the audience who needs to hear your message the most is hearing it. The number 4, D-E-G-R-E.us. That'll do it for this week. Stay safe, stay sane, wash your hands, wear your damn mask, and until I hear you again, say goodnight, crazy. That's good, Johnny.